0: There's a breaking news story in South Carolina athletics. I'm the one you want to follow to find out what's going on with that information. I can guarantee you'll have all details, all sides of the story, just as fast as I can get them. And I can get them pretty fast.
1: Hi, this is Gene Sapikoff, college sports editor and columnist for the Charleston Post and Courier. Welcome to our weekly Countdown to Kickoff show starring David Kloniger, beat writer on South Carolina athletics for the Post and Courier. And if you'd like to see more of David's incredible insight into on and off the field Gamecock Nation things, go to postandcourier.com slash Gamecocks now. And David, I think uh, we should probably start with the bad news from the Sunshine State and what happened in Florida last week. And I think you know what I'm talking about. An 18 foot python was found in the Everglades and within that python stomach was a fully intact five foot alligator. David, that is scary stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, Gene, that's uh, why I don't make a habit of going to the Everglades for vacation or anywhere else where a carnivorous 18-foot reptile could possibly get a hold of me. So, uh, you know, bully to the guy who bagged that sucker, and I'm sure it made some tasty eating on either side, whether you like fried snake or fried gator. But either or, we all got out of there, and I will say, that was the easiest drive I've ever had on uh, the Florida trip, either down 95 or coming up it. So uh, very appreciative of all you drivers on 95 who kindly got out of my way after I
1: laid on the horn for about 18 seconds all right let's first talk about the troubles that uh, befell the Gamecock offense in Gainesville 38 to 6 the 6 is Kai Kroger throwing a fake touchdown pass to carry on Joyner so David the Gamecocks offense right now your thoughts Oh,
0: I don't know if we can uh, accurately say my thoughts on a public forum here, but uh, it's bad, Gene. This offense is very, very bad. The team as a whole, and the defense is not innocent in this. The team looked completely unprepared to play at Florida, and that's just unacceptable no matter where you look at. So, um, you know, this is a game where fingers get pointed uh, just two weeks after they had another one against Missouri. Um, I realize that it's hard to do anything when Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Smith, your top two running backs, are out, but it was just how clueless South Carolina looked in every phase of offense. They could not block. They could not open running lanes. They couldn't run the ball when they had a running lane. They didn't get a great quarterback play, although Spencer Rattler wasn't terrible. Um, And, you know, they – anytime you come out in a 24-6 game after halftime and say, hey, listen, you got 30 minutes here, and you can do a lot in 30 minutes in football, and then you have three fumbles in your first four plays, just – it's going to be an awful day, and that's exactly what it was in Gainesville. So, um, it's – I don't want to say it was a turning point or turn the corner because Missouri did a lot of that too. But um, it's been a bad week at South Carolina – this is the kind of thing where you know that changes are going to be coming after the season. Uh, nothing's going to happen now, nor should it. Uh, but it will happen after the Clemson game. And while everybody can always say, well, Hey, you know, if they, if they win, they'll get right back on it. These next two games, Gene, uh, at very best, they're going to be a severe underdog starting with the fifth ranked Tennessee volunteers on Saturday, where I believe the current spread is 21 and points. So, uh, It's uh, gonna be a pretty rotten two weeks after an already rotten week against
1: Florida. David, let's talk a little bit about the defense. As you mentioned, three turnovers in the first four snaps of that second half. And yet South Carolina, I mean, it's a little bit of a positive. They only gave up 14 points in that second half. I liked what the guys, you know, Pickens and Birch and some of the guys were saying on in the Tuesday media availability in Columbia. But overall, your thoughts on the defense going forward into a really tough test, obviously, against the Vols.
0: Well, that's the thing, Gene. You know this defense has uh, not been elite all year, but it's been a case of they always play better in the second half. They fight hard, and then probably about game three or four, they started getting turnovers. And once you get turnovers, you're always going to have a chance. I mean, for instance, it really won the Kentucky game by getting one so early, and then of course they got off to a huge start against Vanderbilt and Texas A and M by getting turnovers and turning those into points. So you kind of hope that that happens against Tennessee and Clemson but if you're hoping or depending on a turnover to really set you up you just you, you know that you can't really trust what you're going to do down to down on defense uh they are playing wounded uh their linebackers particularly are hurt uh there's not a lot you can do when you've got a third string guy out there uh who has to start just because of other injuries but uh everybody knows right now because Vanderbilt did it because Florida did it all you got to do is run the ball against South Carolina. Now, Tennessee is going to run their offense, but they do run the ball outside of all the pass happiness that they have. So it's it's not going to be good because South Carolina can't stay on the field with Tennessee a lot and can't match them with points. But if you look ahead two weeks to the Clemson game, Gene, and you know this as well as I have, if I'm Clemson's offensive coordinator or head coach, and I clearly am not because I know how to shave um, – they're going to look at that game and just say, DJ, don't even go out there and throw in warm-ups because you ain't going to have to throw. Will Shipley and Phil Moffa right now are rubbing their hands and cackling about what they're going to do to this rush defense. And that's in two weeks. So it's not real good right now, Gene. I wish I could say it. There's like, well, if this happens, this happens, this happens, there's a chance – there's not going to be much of a chance just because there's way too much you got to hope for and not enough that you can
1: count on with this team right now. David, you wrote this week about the Gamecocks quarterback situation, particularly the backups, Luke Doty, et cetera. Um, there were some questions, you know, after the Florida game, should Shane Beamer have put Doty in there at some point? What are your thoughts about Spencer Rattler, Luke Doty, and how quarterback play might go forward, especially considering that uh, you're messing with a redshirt year for Luke Doty? Right, Gene.
0: And, and, you know, whether you do it now, I know a lot of people say, hey, why not? What have you got to lose? Well, in this case, if you put in Luke, Duty, Luke Doty, you will lose a redshirt year. He's already played in four games. And if he plays in the fifth, that blows that redshirt season. So that's a concern, but it's not something that you can necessarily shackle yourself to. Uh, it's a case of like, you know, if Spencer Rattler goes down with a semi-serious injury or major injury, God forbid, Luke's going to be the guy. And and he'll want to go in. I can promise you that. But if it's a case of like, hey, uh, Spencer got his helmet knocked off. He's got to come out for a play. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then just go in there and direct snap it to Bell, to Juju, to on Joiner, do something like that. So I understand why people were saying, hey, let's try something else. I get that. But right now, I don't think it's a case of a quarterback switch making any difference. If you still can't run the ball in this offense, and odds are they can't because Lloyd and Bill Smith are probably not going to play this week either you're not going to have a good day. That's the way the offense is tailored, and they're not going to be able to switch it up, for instance, like they did at Arkansas this late in the game. And even if they do, Gene, the way the offensive line has been pass blocking lately, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is. It's very hard to throw a tight spiral uh, 25 yards downfield to the corner when you're flat on your back two seconds after the snap. So I don't think that it's a case of, why do it now? Because if you do and it works, then everybody's going to say, why didn't you do that sooner? And if you do and it doesn't work, all you got to say is like, look, you know, this is the system, they got hurt, and there's your excuse for it. So I realize people asking, why not try a new QB? Why not try a new running back? At this point, everything is just so broken down there on offense, you could probably put Joe Montana in there and it wouldn't make a difference. All right, well, Joe Montana wouldn't make a difference, but any other quarterback, <laughs> no.
1: David, that was tremendous insight. And folks, if you'd like more of that, check out David's newsletter at postincur.com slash Gamecocks. Now, Hey DC, let's talk about the quarterback on the other side. And this is kind of fascinating because you got Tennessee sitting there ranked number five in a four team playoff situation. They've got a quarterback who, you know, is one of the top Heisman contenders. I don't know if he's the top guy anymore, but Hendon Hooker certainly is in there. Considering those two things, do you, could you see a situation, and, and I, I think I know your answer to this, where Hendon Hooker is throwing that ball downfield into the end zone with the balls way up in the fourth quarter? I could see it because they didn't do it, or they did do it um, last week at at
0: Missouri. And it's all about just trying to get those numbers up. And also about, for the team's sake, if you get a big enough score, this is just like back in the the old days, Gene, when it was still the the voters deciding who the national champion was going to be. You got to make it look really good and really impressive. So Tennessee had a loss to Georgia. They're trying to get back in. I think they're going to get back in the playoff no matter what but it's not going to hurt them per se by trying to pad as many stats, get as many points and make everything look as impressive as possible while they're out there playing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Hendon Hooker's having a great season. Uh, You know, he's able to throw that ball all over the field. He's got great receivers including Irmo's own Jalen Hyatt, Uh, but they're going to do whatever they have to do to first win the game and then say, all right, what do you think is going to happen? Again, I think, that they're going to get into the playoff regardless because Ohio state Michigan, one of them's going to lose, you know, one of them's going to be there. So you, if Tennessee wins out, you take them as a leap above, because they there'll be a one loss team. No, they're not a conference champion, didn't play for their conference championship, but they will get into that argument. So they've got to do everything they can to do to say, not only did we win the game, we looked awful impressive doing it because look at the margin of victory. <laughs>
1: Okay, David, let's talk about the bowl situation for the Gamecocks. They are bowl eligible. This is pretty interesting. You see them projected in some wildly different places, Birmingham, Las Vegas, the Texas Bowl. Um, First of all, uh, that's huge for you because that could mean you're either at the Dew Drop Inn in Pelham, Alabama, or at the Bellagio for the Media Hotel. But more importantly, The way the SEC might break down is that they have so many teams in the playoff and in the New Year's Six, and then they have some other teams that do not qualify for the bowl, that they're not going to fill all their bowl slots. Let me ask you this. Would this give South Carolina any sort of choice or option there to say, we want to go here or here or here? That's part one of the question. And part two, where do you think they should go if they got that kind of a choice? Well, Gene, as you know, they're
0: always going to put in their preference when it comes to bowl selection, talking to each of the representatives and to the SEC office. Hey, uh, you know, we'd we'd like to go here if at all possible, you know, things like that. Um, And, you know, they don't have to follow that. But in a case where they don't have enough teams to fill all their bowl slots, I think they would work with the schools and also keep an eye on who's what's going to be the best matchup. Who are the other teams coming into those bowl games? So we won't know who the other matchups are, but looking ahead, let's just say it, South Carolina is highly unlikely to win either of their next two games. So you're looking at a six and six regular season. That pretty much knocks out the Gator Bowl. It happens. What that does though, Gene, is it opens up a couple of possibilities. Music City Bowl, mm, Liberty Bowl, mm, uh, Birmingham Bowl. mm, Don't want to go there but it does make the Las Vegas Bowl a better, uh, more uh, attractive option. So I'm sure if it came to that case, the Gamecocks would say, send us to Vegas, send us to Vegas, because nothing's going to erase the, uh, the hurt, I guess, or the anger of the fan base over this last stretch of the season. But if you say, hey, you get to go to Vegas to watch this team play a bowl game, there'll be a lot of fans who want to do that. So they will lobby. For the Vegas Bowl, if it's possible to get there, and it should be because that game, I believe, is on December 17th is one of the earliest that is played. So they'll say, yeah, 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 go ahead, Get get them there. That'll be fine. But it's always going to be up to the SEC to make the final choice because, again, they're going to look at the TV matchup and they're going to say, what's the best thing to get viewers and to get the SEC team a win? And that's where they'll decide to place them. I mean, they kind of controlled their own destiny a few weeks ago, Gene, when they were five and two. When you're going to end up six and six,
1: you got to take what you can get. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You got to look at the opponent. Um, I think it's really important for this team to finish seven and six, not six and seven, but yet you want the most prestigious game too. So it'll be fun to watch how this plays out over the next few weeks. Well, David, it's that time of our countdown to kickoff extravaganza here at post for you, David Kloniger, to make your score prediction for Tennessee at South Carolina, Williams-Price stadium, 7. PM, the ESPN primetime game with Fowler, Street holly rowe david your thoughts
0: well gamecock fans unfortunately you're going to have to resemble tennessee fans this week they're wearing uh, some all orange helmets and i believe they're orange jerseys you know those little earplugs that you have those are bright orange too you need to bring them because you're going to be here in rocky top an awful awful lot and i can't emphasize the awful much south carolina 21 tennessee 56 it's going to be a long
1: night in williams price Ouch. For David Kloniger, I'm Gene Sapikoff of the Charleston Post and Courier. Thank you for joining us on Countdown to Kickoff, and we will see you next week when we will talk about the rivalry game.